Man, may we follow the one who reveals himself to us. He has a miracle for us, a revealing of himself to let us see who he is. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be continuing in this series and also closing this series today on Follow Him. Man, we launched this back on Easter Sunday, and we've been talking about what it means to give our lives to Christ, what it means to follow Him with all we've got. We talked about following Him in different facets of who He is, right? So follow Him, the one who died for us and rose again, the one who is risen. Man, there is power in Him. There is life in Him. There is hope in Him. May we go after the risen Savior and give our lives to Him. Follow the one who is risen. May we follow the one who willingly went to that cross for you and for me. The one who sacrificed himself, put himself on the line, knowing the pain and the heartache that he would have to carry. May we give our lives to him. May we give our lives to the one who in every facet of our life, with kindness, with power, unleashing into our life, may we follow him. And now today as we close it out, may we follow him, the forgiving one, no matter what. May we follow the forgiving one, right, no matter what. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. John 21, starting in verse 15. And as we get going here, just a little reminder, and let's go ahead and throw the pick up. This pick was back from Easter Sunday. We show this. And uh, if you remember, uh, this is actually the spot where Jesus met the disciples. After the resurrection, he said, I'll meet you up at the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples, they were kind of sick of it. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Remember this from the first week on Easter Sunday. They went out fishing. And as they were out there all night, they got nothing. They caught zero. They were tired. They were hungry. They were wet. And just as the light was beginning to break, Jesus standing right there in that spot, Jesus standing there looking over the Sea of Galilee and being able to see them about 100 yards out, and he said, have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught anything. He's like, why don't you try five feet over? They've been fishing everywhere. They're like, whatever, fine. They throw it in and the net just fills with fish. Said 153, one of them decided to count it, 153 fish as they're stunned with the miracle of provision. And then they, as they recognize who he is, Peter coming to him quickly, getting to the shore, and Jesus having the charcoal grill out and the provision of fish and, and, and some of the bread and it grilling up there, and he's got it for those who are hungry. He's got it for those who are tired. He's got relationship and connection and food and warmth and, and God providing into our lives exactly what we need. And as the disciples all got there, they sat down around the fire, Jesus giving each of them a little bit, and they ended up eating there together and getting their fill. And sitting right there on the shoreline, looking out over the Sea of Galilee, that's where we pick up this part of the passage. This is just a little bit further in that same chapter. So John chapter 21, verse 15. Point number one, follow. Follow the one who forgives and restores. Follow the one who forgives and restores. He says, 
when they had finished breakfast, Simon, son of John, said, do you love me more than these? Jesus is saying this to him. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Let's just hold right there. When they had finished breakfast, so when they were done seeing the miracle, when they were done being stunned by Jesus yet one more time, when the provision had been there from God for exactly what they needed, when they had had their fill, they were warming up, there was no more hunger, when they were deeply satisfied, and there was a lot of connection with Jesus Christ, Jesus had this to say, Simon, son of John. Right? This is actually Peter, Simon Peter, right? So he's talking, everybody just say, it's Peter. Right? So he's talking to Peter now, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? more than these. Do you love me? Jesus using the word agape there. Do you have a self-sacrificing love for me? Are you ready to sacrifice it all? Do you love me? And then he said more than these. There's a little bit of discussion about what that means. Most believe it probably means the other disciples. Peter has been trying to make it clear that he's the one who's kind of out in front. Right When they recognized it was Jesus, he dove in the water first. He took off from the boat and just went, running in the water, swimming in the water to get to Jesus first as fast as he could. So maybe Jesus is just saying, more than the other disciples you're with, there were seven of them, like more than these guys? Like, you love me more than these? Potentially he means that. Potentially he means more than the fishing, the boating, the distraction, the what you've come back to. Maybe he means that. Probably he's more comparing are you ready to go after this even more than those around you? And uh, do you love me? Um, are you self-sacrificing? Are you ready to lay it down more than any of the others around? Are you ready to do it more than any of the things that you've been going after? Are you ready to follow me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, there's two words for the word know, and we're going to see both of them pop up. This one here is like, you have the facts. You cognitively are aware of this truth. That's what he's saying. You have the facts. You know that it's true that I love you. And Peter ends up using a different word here. Jesus said, are you ready to be self-sacrificing in your love? And Peter said, you know I have a friendship, warmth, and commitment of love for you. He used a different word, the word phileo. Jesus is like, do you agape? Peter's like, you know I phileo. Now, the reality is, just so you understand, these are really like opposite sides of the same coin. So the one side is the sacrifice that it takes, the commitment as you pour it in. And the other side is the warmth and the connecting and the relationship. It's love. It's not trying to de define two different levels of love, but it's two different sides to it. Jesus is like, are you ready to lay it on the line? And Peter's like, you know my relationship with you and my connection. I'm fired up about our connection. I care about you deeply. So he's talking more about his motivation. Jesus is talking about the result. Are you ready to self-sacrifice? And uh, Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Take care of those who are following me. Give them sustenance. Provide for them. Feed my lambs. Care for the church is maybe another way to say it. As Jesus is like, good, get ready. You're going to need to be caring for those who are willing to follow me. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Same word again. Do you agape? Do you 
have this self-sacrifice. He's like, listen, are you ready to put it on the line? Are you ready to give your all for me? Peter, Lord, you know I care about you. We got a great relationship. Peter, are you ready to put it all on the line for me? Have you ever had somebody repeat the exact same question to you? You're like, what do you think I missed in what you're asking me? Or what point are you trying to make? A question repeated is trying to say, no, you didn't hear me, right? It's trying to say, you need to get this square. And Jesus is actually doing something even more than that. We'll see it in just a little bit. But he's beginning to say, I need you to really listen to what I'm saying. Are you ready to lay it all on the line? Are you ready to live in a sacrificial way for me? Do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter's that kind of guy. You know, where when somebody repeats the question, like I would probably say, Lord, I, I thought I understood the question. What am I not saying clearly? <laughs> I, 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 what am I missing? What are you trying to get at? Like that's probably where I would have gone. Peter, he's like, I'll say the same thing back to you again. Right? Like you say to me, do you love me? I say to you, you know I do. Like, do you agape me? You know I have this warm relationship. No, Peter, do you agape? Lord, you know I have this warm relationship with you. Like, they're trying to figure out who's in charge in the moment is almost how it looks from the outside. Jesus repeating it twice over, so Peter repeats it twice over. Like, let me just make it clear. I've got this warm, deep, committed relationship with you. You matter to me. And... uh he said to him, tend my sheep, which is maybe the exact same way as fading, saying feed my lambs, but with other words. Tend, like pastor, care for them, provide for them, reach into their lives, care for those who are following me. Tend my sheep. Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him a third time. Everybody say a third time. Don't miss that word. Peter was grieved because the third time Jesus said, do you love me? However, this time Jesus changes the word. He's like, Peter, do you agape? Do you care self-sacrificially? Peter answers. No, Peter, do you agape self-sacrificially? Peter answers. Lord, you know I phileo. You know I phileo. You know I have this caring love. Third time, Peter do you have a caring love for me? Do you feel a little bit of that press in? Like, Peter, are you ready to lay it on the line? Peter gives an answer. By the end of it, three times over, he says, okay, Peter, is that for real? Do you have this committed relationship with me? Are you ready to walk with me? This third time is a hardcore a direct challenge to Peter. But there's something else going on here. This is the third time. So don't forget that. Everybody say the third time. Don't forget it and hang on to it. We'll get back to that in just a second. Peter was grieved because it was asked the third time, do you love me? So he said, Lord, you know everything. Notice who's in charge now. Lord, you know everything. You've got it all. You have all. Sovereignty, 
power, knowledge. Nothing surprises you. Lord, you know what's in my heart. You know it all. And I know you know it all. And I'm counting on you and your knowledge beyond all. He says, you know everything. You have this cognitive understanding of all the facts. You grasp all facts. And then he says, and you know that I love you. This is the other word for know. And you have the experience of me coming alongside of you and loving and caring for you. You have this relational connect with me, Lord. You've seen it and experienced it. Not only do you have the fact of it, you've got the moment by moment as I've lived beside you, Lord. You've seen that I love you as I come alongside of you. Peter now even beginning to say, right? There's relationship and connect, right? As they begin to talk a little more, Peter now saying, you know that I have this relational, caring, connect, and we've experienced together. Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Back to that same word feed, but now he uses the word sheep instead of lambs. Really, these are three different ways to say care for the people who are following me. Get ready to protect the church. Three times over. Are you ready to lay it on the line? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? She says to him, feed my sheep three times over. Then Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, if you read those words or hear those words, we today may not quite grasp the understanding. John gives us a little bit of a help here. He says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. John's like, just so we're clear, he's talking about his death. And he says, you, at some point as you get older, you will have others dress you. Basically, somebody else is going to be in charge of your life. They're going to stretch out your arms There is going to be crucifixion coming in your future. There is going to be a horrible, horrible struggle. You're going to be prisoner. And there is going to be massive sacrifice. But instead of saying those blunt, harsh words, he uses these sort of metaphors. And he's like, get ready. There's going to be others in charge of your life. They're going to stretch your arms out. And in that, that's how you're going to glorify the Lord. You're going to be carried where you don't want to go. But in sacrifice, you're going to go there. And this is a huge calling as Jesus is beginning to share with Peter a heavy, heavy statement. And how much of it did Peter grasp? Well, like we're not even exactly sure how much Peter understood. He understood enough to know that he's being pressed. He definitely understood enough to know that there's some level of challenge being given to him. And he is being given some clear statement about his future. And some of what's coming. He says, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. As he pressed in with Peter three times over, he then said, are you ready? Follow me. Take steps where I step. Come with me on this journey. 
You remember we talked about the word following a couple of weeks back. We defined it out, right? To listen, to communicate, to share the value system, and to obey with all we've got. He's like, come do that with me. Communicate, come along, and obey along the journey. As Jesus is calling Peter to come follow him. I don't know what the other disciples felt like standing by. I, I can only imagine looking in, right? It doesn't say, but I would have been a little bit, you know, you make that face where you're like, just a little bit like, dude, do you feel in the press? Are you feeling a little bit of the push in? And just remember though, where Peter has come from. This is super important. That Peter was all fired up. He's like, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. He's pumping who Jesus is. You're the Messiah. You're our hope. He's the one out in front. He's making much of Christ. And as Christ is up on the top of the Mount of Olives and the disciples are standing there and people start to worship Jesus, they put him up on this donkey and he's beginning to ride down in and they know this is the fulfillment of the Messiah. And Peter is like, this is amazing. He is ecstatic. He is celebrating. This is Messiah. He is going to take over. King of kings. He's going to rule. Hang on. As you look from the Mount of Olives just across the Kidron Valley, you see Jerusalem. And he's like, we're going to rule there. And Jesus is taking over. This is going to be unbelievable. And as they go down into the valley, you pass by the Garden of Gethsemane and up into Jerusalem, and Peter is ecstatic. Palm Sunday. And just a few days later, they go back to the bottom of the Kidron Valley, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're praying in the quiet. Jesus alone, as he's crying out to the Father, take this cup from me but not my will, your will be done. In that moment, there are these guards that come in and they begin to take some of them captive, holding on to them, and they take Jesus. Peter's starting to rise up with force, like, this is the one who's gonna be king. Take it for him. And Jesus says, stop. You don't have the whole picture. Hang on. As they take Jesus away, they take him down the Kidron Valley and they take him to a spot where they begin to interrogate and whip and mock and beat and scorn. And Peter has followed from a distance and as he's standing by the fire faking that he wants to be by the fire warming up, he's looking over and watching as they're doing unspeakable things to the one he thought would rule forever. And he is in the lowest of lows. As he's warming his hands and looking and checking and all of a sudden somebody goes, you're one of them. You were with him. You're following him. And he says, no, no, I'm, I'm not with him. Starts to back up like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And somebody else, no, you are. I'm not with him. No, you are. I, I'm not with him. And just then as he says it, he looks over. And Christ, who is not far away, who is being interrogated and mocked and even mistreated physically, looks over and they catch eyes. And the rooster crows three times. And Peter hears Jesus' words telling him, you're going to deny me three times before the night is over. And as he's standing at that distance, he's at his lowest 
of Los. He's devastated that he's just walked away from the one he declared would be king three times over. How many times? So now when Christ meets Peter at the Sea of Galilee, risen from the dead, and can you imagine the first time they met? I, I don't know what Pe- I can't believe you're alive. I, like you almost can't look up and connect eyes. You're like, I'm the one who walked away from you. I, you feel terrible about it and there's this sort of connecting and you're beginning to hope and you're not sure where things are going. And Jesus says, I'll meet you all at the Sea of Galilee. Now you're standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and the water's washing in and Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Don't miss this man. Jesus is restoring Peter. You take your step with me. One acceptance and love statement for one denial statement. I am in, I am in, I am in. Jesus is restoring Peter and saying, you're going to be one who leads and cares for the church. There is forgiveness. There is glory. There is an amazing moment of restoration. Jesus does not look at our past. Jesus looks at our future. And all of God's people said, man, hear me. Peter getting this glorious moment of promise. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now come carry a load with me as we make much of our God. That's what's going on. Man, we have the privilege of knowing a God who forgives us. And all of God's people said, we have the privilege of restoration, of being lifted up not only from where we were, but up above that to being able to taste of eternity forever because of Jesus Christ. He died for me and he rose for me and I will stand by my Savior. Man, may we set down the sins of our past and run for the worship of tomorrow and making much of him. May God get all the glory. Please hear me. What sin is holding you back? What action? What words, what attitudes are you continually looking back to and remembering that person? May we lay it at the cross and say, I praise your name that you forgive. You are my God. No more dragging us down. I am ready to follow you with all I've got. Man, have you tasted of his forgiveness? Have you tasted of his restoration? Hand it all to him. And all of God's people said. Point number two, follow. Follow the one who has your future in hand. Follow the one who has your future in hand. Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against Jesus during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple who loved Jesus. Remember, this is the book of John. 
This is being written by John. John chose not to use his name in the first person in any way. So John says, he describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. So when it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's like, then Peter turned and looked at me. That's what he's saying. John's like, then Peter turned and looked at me. When Peter saw me, he said to Jesus, well, what about this man? What about that guy? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you're in a hot seat and you're feeling a little bit of pressure and you're feeling the call across and there's the joy of restoration and there's also the hope of tomorrow. There's also these words about tomorrow and a lot of the weight and Peter's like, I'm feeling a lot of this and I'm not even sure which way to feel. Do him. Do do that guy. I'm going to step aside. You, You just take some time with that guy and Tell me what's going to happen to him. Can you imagine John's face as he's just following behind? He's seeing Peter and Jesus walking and you're walking along and all of a sudden Peter goes, well, what about that guy? And you're like, whoa, hey, right? Like that's what's going on in this moment. Jesus says to Peter, if it is my will, everybody say if, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that? To you, follow me. He basically said, what if he never dies? What if there's never going to be heartache? What if there's no imprisonment? What if there's no crucifixion? What if none of that is coming his way? What if he never dies? What is that to you? I've called you to follow me. It gives you a little insight as to what Peter was trying to get out of. Do him! Like, I'm not addressing that you just called me to follow you. I have yet to say I'm totally in on this and following you. And Jesus says, what would that mean to you? You follow me. No matter what my answer is about John, follow me. John, now the author here, is like, so the saying was spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Are you hearing him? This this is John like somewhere in this book. I'm going to make it clear that Jesus did not say, everybody say not. That's what John was doing. He's like, Jesus did not say, everybody say not. He didn't say it, right? That's not what he said. He said if. It was a hypothetical. He was telling him to focus on what mattered, the calling to him. This wasn't about John's not dying. This was about Peter needing to focus on Peter. That's the point of the message. John's like, everybody was too concerned about me, and please stop making it about me. Super important that we grasp the humility of John as he's like, he never said that I wouldn't die and that I wouldn't experience any level of pain. He never said it. He said, uh, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. He's like, I'm that guy. I'm the guy whom saying he turned and said, and what I'm saying to you is true, but here's what he says. He doesn't say, and I know these things are true. He says, and we know these things are true. 
He steps himself back into the crew of all of humanity that was walking at the same time as Christ. And he says, guys, you know what I've written. And we, we have to back who Jesus Christ is. We have to stand with all that he's doing. We have to celebrate the miracles and the words that stunned and the teaching that rocked and his going to the cross and his rising from the dead and his promises of forever and him being king. We, we know that to be true. And as those who were reading this in that first uh, readings of this, you know they were nodding their head. That is so true. We know this to be true. We are in. He's basically saying, we're all going to be responsible for making it clear that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is God Almighty. There is power in him, and he is worth knowing. May we all back this testimony. John, giving a super powerful moment of hope. He says, now there are many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. He's like, please hear me. There is so much that Jesus did. Note this. John started. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John starts out his book Jesus Christ existed for all eternity, and he is God, John 1.1. The entirety of John is about celebrating who Jesus is. He's like, I have written all these things that you might believe. Please hear me. He is God Almighty, and he bookends it on the front end from eternity past. And on the back end, and man, I can't even tell you all the things that he has done. The number of lame that are walking, the lepers that are now laughing, the women healed, those who were dead who have risen. He himself died on the cross, risen, angels showing up. Man, I'm telling you, message after message, miracle after miracle, he is God Almighty. And if we wrote it all down, don't even know where we'd store it all. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, hear me, man. May we follow him, the miracle worker, the one who brings power into this world and rocks our lives. Sometimes he chooses to change the very physical world we're struggling in. And sometimes he chooses to walk us through it or even around it. Him in charge. He knows everything. May we lean on him and follow him. Jesus Christ, he's the God of the universe. Do you know him? Jesus Christ. He is the one who brings miracle after miracle after miracle. Do you know him? Jesus Christ. He is the one who brings forgiveness. Have you set your sin down and chosen to follow him? Don't worry about the guy next to you. Well, what about that guy? You. How are you doing with your God? Follow 
the miracle worker. Give your life to the way maker. He alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. And all of God's people said, let's pray.